0: I am Adam now, and this is my top 5.
1: What's up y'all? It's me Aaron Beard 93. I'd like to welcome you back to the Motorsports Beat. Now, today's topic is yours, another episode of the Top 5, where we take the stars behind the cars and spotlight the five races that have been most important to their lives. Now, today's guest, he isn't actually known for car racing. He said this Californian's a boss from Supercross, riding with the 450SX Tour as a dark horse. Whether he's making music like his song, My Bike's Too Lit, or battling for a spot in the main, he always promises to entertain. You can catch him on Instagram at the722 and see him on the Supercross Tour with the number 722, or should I call it the 7 Deuce Deuce? Uh, he is, of course, Adam Intiknap, man. How you doing today, Adam?
0: dude i'm doing so good come on baby
1: i hear that i hear that so uh, as i mentioned this thing is about your top five but before we start i always like to ask a couple questions just to kind of give people a feel for who i'm talking to so first of all uh, the first thing i see that stands out for you outside of being a 2 wheel boy in terms of my first slate of podcast guests is having some music ambitions man where did that come from <laughs>
0: Uh, You know, it was kind of something that we started when uh, we were traveling to the races. My dad, my brother and I, we'd always kind of like, um, you know, it was a really long drive. And we went to Loretta Lynn's or we went to Texas to do kind of the amateur nationals, uh, you know, 16, 20, 30 hour drives. And uh, we'd just turn on the radio and turn it up. And we'd kind of like freestyle to whatever was on the radio and make up our own words. And I've kind of loved music ever since I was a little kid, you know, I used to listen to m and and, you know, everything I could, AC, DC, all that, and just nonstop had my headphones on my ears. And I just absolutely <laughs> loved it. And, uh, one year I, uh, I broke my femur. Um, I think it was four, four or five years ago. And, uh, I just went to the local guitar center and I bought like a USB microphone and I bought Fruity Loops and I hooked it up to my windows laptop at the time that was like something that's, you know, my sister had thrown in the trash or she didn't want anymore. And I just kind of plugged it all in and it was really laggy, but I got it all to work and I put some stuff on SoundCloud and all of a sudden it got a lot of views. And, uh, it was, uh, I think it worked out really good because I was rapping about originally, um, what I love to do. And I think people, People got that. People seen the passion. People seen that uh, it was pretty good, and and people enjoyed it. And I kind of just stuck with it. And now it's kind of like, you know, my little getaway from riding my dirt bike and a way to express myself. And now it's turned into almost like a, a little bit of a second career because you know it's making. making good money and it's getting a lot of views and these last two songs that i just came out with coming back around is like a country song where i'm singing a little bit and uh one last breath it's a little bit on the rock song rock side hip-hop and uh and that's doing absolutely fabulous so um just it's cool to uh, uh show my artistic ability and then you know have something that i truly love riding my dirt bike also
1: so what is the balance like in terms of like a week or a month when it comes to balancing what you're trying to do on like the motocross, supercross side and your your rising ambitions in music?
0: Um, you know, it's actually kind of funny how great it works out because uh, you know, when I go home, I have a recording studio at my house now. Um, but you know, you don't realize how much time that you have sitting around traveling. You know, when I'm on the plane or I'm driving to the track or whatever that might be, um, I'm writing lyrics. I'm thinking of melodies. I'm doing whatever I absolutely can. And now I have a couple of guys that um, do do beats and instrumentals for me that they just send them to my email and I kind of just get to pick through them and then I'll turn them on in my headphones and I'll start, you know, bobbing my head to it. And then I'll find something and I'll be like, oh, that's it right there. And then, you know, I have sometimes it's three three and a half hour plane rides with a little layover and uh you know in the morning it's like an hour and a half drive to the track so i get all that time to you know make music and think about music and then as soon as i step out of the truck or i'm done traveling it's right back to it's right back to full focus on my dirt bike so it's kind of nice because it takes my mind off the stresses of racing it takes my mind off you know um all those things that you don't want to worry about when it comes to the weekend, you know, you're, you're trying to stay safe. You're trying to go as fast as you possibly can. Um, and you're trying to do your best and don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for that. But you know, if you ponder on it and you think about it too much, I, uh, I think it can be pretty overwhelming. So it's nice to have that little bit of getaway. And I think they, uh, I think that I've worked those two things together, almost where they harmonize with themselves. So it's pretty cool.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Now I come from primarily a race car centered world. I think I'm most known for NASCAR and in that world yeah. these days, especially in cup with the charter system, I think everybody's just kind of used to, you have the same group of guys in almost every race. There's a couple guys that change here, or there, but it's pretty much locked in. We have 36 of our 40 entries locked in every week. Well, when yeah. I go when I go watch a Supercross race for example, Indy the, the other day, this is the day after the first Indy race from recording this. There's so much unknown going into it. I mean, you have a couple of the big names that you feel pretty good about making it, but you have something like Jason Anderson going to the LCQ yesterday. For my for my fan base, can you explain just how challenging it is to even get in a main in Supercross for example?
0: Uh yeah, people don't understand that, especially because the times are so tight and there's so many variables. You know like It's funny because, you know, in car racing, like in NASCAR, for instance, you know, you guys know the tracks and obviously that they're developing differently, you know, upon weather, upon the day. Um, But as far as the asphalt, um, it's the same. Daytona is the same. It's the same track. Um, Every single week we have a new track um, and this week we have new dirt. And then on top of that, the dirt is changing every single lap because at Indianapolis it's kind of known for being soft. So there's just so many different variables on what's going on on a Supercross race where you have to adapt so much and so many little things can go wrong. You know, Jason Anderson won the championship, the whole entire Supercross championship in 2018 and he's in the LCQ. You know, um it just is a testament to how difficult the track is and how fast everybody's going and how unknown Supercross is. And I, I truly believe that that's why our sport is on the rise. And I think that's why people, so so many people love it is because you, it is so hard to predict who is going to win and who's going to do good and who's going to be out of that main event. And every year the bikes are getting better. You know, the production line bikes are getting better and better and better. And, you know, something that's different from car racing um, or most of car racing is that, you know, we have to be on a production frame, you know, and production cases and stuff like that. So with the production bike coming up and getting better and better, um, I think it's just making the whole class closer and closer and closer and closer. And closer. And, uh, and you're seeing that, you know, with Jason Anderson, the 2018 champion um, being in the LCQ.
1: And the last thing i 'll touch on before we get into the main bulk of the podcast, I guess, uh, like anybody else, every other form, you guys have had to brace through some very surreal circumstances in the last year or so I know you guys I think Formula E're the only two I can think of where you ended last season kind of all in one location and kind of mm-hmm. rattled through multiple races in a, in a week or so. Um, what was going through last year like on the supercross side for example and i guess also on motocross and then how has it been this year trying to kind of slowly build back to some sort sort of normalcy
0: um you know last year was like a gift you know with with the pandemic with so many people getting sick um with it being crazy with this whole COVID thing, you know, and it's just like, it's a terrible thing that happened to our country. It's a terrible thing that happened to anybody who got COVID and just to be fortunate enough to be on the track racing. Um, when there was something like that going on, it was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here, you know, being able to ride my dirt bike and do what I love and, and do my job as an entertainer, And a supercross racer was unbelievable because, um, you know, without the fans, without those people, without everybody watching, we don't have a job. And it was just such a blessing and a relief to be at the racetrack Um, coming to this year from last year. You know, it's 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 definitely taken some adjusting because we're kind of in a new type of schedule. You know, we have the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday thing where it was different than normal. You know what we would call normal supercross where a saturday a week off saturday and uh, we got a little taste of it um last year being in salt lake that whole time where they were trying to race back to back to back to get this thing done so um you know that we could just get the season over get the championship decided and move on from there and kind of figure out what the future holds but you know being this year with those saturday tuesday saturday it's definitely weighing on our bodies and it's definitely a different thing and a different strategy. Um, again, happy to be back racing, you know, everything is still going on. It's starting to cool off a little bit, um, which is amazing, but we're still not out of the, you were still not out of the hole by any means, but just kind of, I think the hardest part is just adapting to the new schedule, adapting to limited fans, you know, cause as racers, we feed off that, you know, we feed off the autographs, we feed off the fans um, and we feed off the show. You know, that's part of the adrenaline rush that we love that why we go down to the floor and why we train so hard is to, you know, have that hype, have that adrenaline and perform in front of, you know, our family and friends and our fans um, and doing our best. So I think the biggest thing is just, being happy to be racing again and uh being in the stadium and seeing some fans in the crowd
1: i know it felt good for me yesterday hearing cheers again that's the first time i'd seen him in a year or so myself yeah. uh, well i could sit here and talk about the series and everything going on forever i'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> with supercross even though i don't get to cover it very often but this podcast is all about you this is spotlighting your story and some of the races that have meant the most to you so if you are ready to rock on, I'm ready to get into your top five, Adam. Do you have the first race you would like to discuss?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, the first race I'd like to discuss, I think was a game changer kind of in my career. Um, it was at Oak Hill. Um, it was an amateur race and, uh, it's one of the biggest amateur races in the country for dirt bikes. And, I had just, I was kind of um a little bit of a squid, which is a squirrel squirrelier rider when I was a kid. I, I didn't grow up on factory teams. I, I didn't have like the dream scenario growing up. And I had just stepped into the novice class and it, it was um it was nerve-wracking for sure. And and there was like I think there was like hundred and fifty entries just in my class alone. Um and I went to Oak Hill, and I was feeling good that day. And I went, uh, I I raced 450 novice stock and 450 novice mod, and I went one 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 one, and I I pulled away from everybody, and I absolutely waxed them that day. And I think for me that was kind of a turning point because you know growing up i was just a trail rider and we kind of did it for fun my dad never raced before it wasn't like riding was in my blood my dad didn't get a dirt bike until he was you know 18 19 years old and even when he did get a dirt bike he rode it on a flat track course It, it wasn't like he knew anything about motocross it wasn't like he you know had any kind of background and we were just beginners and we would go on the weekends and we'd have fun and i think that national Kind of opened my eyes to like, wait a minute, like we're at a national, and yeah, it was the novice class, but like it was like, holy crap, I think that we might have a shot of doing something on a dirt bike, you know it was like it was just such a big eye opener of um hold on, it was just such a it was such a big eye opener of man, we could really do this and I think that was one of the things that changed my career forever was that race at OKO.
1: So first thing that comes to mind for me going into that with that many riders in, you obviously don't sound like you expected to do as good as you did. But what were your expectations going into that?
0: Uh, my expectations were really just to like, you know, get a top five, a top 10 and a moto. You know, it was like um, I had come into that race and I was like, man, I really hope I do good. And, you know, I really hope that we can do something, you know, a top five would have been like probably incredible just to be able to go top five at that race, especially with the kids that were there and like the people that were there and who I'd been racing prior to that. Cause I had known, obviously I've known some of the kids that were there because I was racing more often at that point. And I was like, you know, you kind of, you kind of have an idea in your head of who's going to be your competition and who's not. And there was just something about that weekend that clicked and I just dominated and it was like, wow, that, that, that was really cool. That, that definitely the, the bug bit me right there for sure.
1: At what point in the midst of that, did you kind of realize that it was happening for you? Like, was it in the first race? Was it like early in? Like, when did it hit in? Like, oh man, I'm like really running well here.
0: I think it was the second race because it was like the first race I had gotten a good start and I kind of just like was super excited and the adrenaline was going and I kind of just like was like hammering and I was like, you know, just super excited after the first win and I was like, wow, that was so sick. And then, you know, the second race came along and I did it again and it was like, okay, that was sick. And you're like, okay, I can do this two more times for sure. You know, and to have it at that national level, you know, at that age, you know, you, it was cool because they had like six, seven foot trophies that you would get. And that's like all I was thinking about. It's so funny. Just, it's funny how you think about weird stuff like that when you're a kid, but um, you know, I was just thinking about getting that big old trophy and bringing it home in the trailer to my mom and, you know, and just showing and just being like, wow, that's sick. (laughs)
1: i had my little league baseball trophy on my headboard for like five years man don't feel bad (laughs) Um, i guess the last thing i'll touch on for this one we can get on to number two and i don't i don't necessarily want to spoil anything going forward but like when you leave that obviously your impression of what you can do changes so much because you're so successful um what were the ambitions or the thoughts in the first like days or weeks after that? Like how soon did it take for it to lead to something else?
0: Um, I think that was, I think right at the end of the last race, you know, I think my dad and me and my little brother were all kind of like, let's go race more you know what i mean like after that it was like let's just keep doing this and keep winning and keep going and and it was just man it was fun you know and and we had gone and we raced a couple more races and i did really good and it was just like that was definitely one of those points in my amateur career where it's like damn this is so much fun and this is why i love racing my dirt bike
1: that's so awesome so we have started this list on a really high note. That sounds great. So what have you, what have you got yep. for me next, Adam? What's number two?
0: Um, let's see. I don't know. Like there's two that are really close. Um, we'll start with arena cross. So in my career, um, i, I was in, inter, I was in the intermediate class and, Um, I had right after the novice, I I was doing good in that novice career place. You know what I mean? We were doing really good. And I'd stepped up to the intermediate and my first intermediate race, I did good. And then right after that, I'd broken my femur, like right after, like I was, I was on an absolute high, went to the intermediate class, got like a third place right off the bat in the intermediate class, which was like awesome. And that was almost even higher. And then I broke my femur, bam, right after that. And that was three months off. And I had taken kind of like a, I had to take a while off and then I got back on the bike and I broke my femur and my ankle again. Mm. Um, You know, about like six months, six, eight months later. And that was, that was tough. And then after that um, we kind of we kind of decided, you know, I need to go pro. I need to do my thing. And, and are we going to figure this out? Because that was, that was a hard time because I had broken my femur, you know, and then we didn't really know much about the sport and then breaking my femur and my ankle again, it was like being in the hospital and being in that much pain and my parents seeing that they were like, did we do the right thing? You know, whatever that might be. And so We're like, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And I went pro and we decided, you know, I decided when I was a kid, I always wanted to race supercross. So my dad was like, dude, let's do this supercross camp. We went and did the supercross camp. Um, But I was always a big kid. I was like, you know, 220 pounds at that point. And I've always been a big kid. You know, most supercross racers are only 150, but anyways, we went to go get a Supercross license and I was fast at that point. So I had somebody vouch for me to get a 250 license, but I couldn't ride a 250. I was too big. So, um, Kevin Crowther was the, the head of the AMA at that point, And he actually, um, Gave me a shot to do arena cross and i'm actually kind of the guy that was the guinea pig for that whole road to supercross thing doing arena cross so he said adam um we know you're a big kid we know you're fast but we you know we can't give you a 450 license right off the bat but if you go race arena cross um you will give you your 450 license if you get x amount of points so me and my dad were kind of like well if we're going to do it we're going to do it so the next race on the list is my first arena cross race. Um, why it's so important to me is because my very first arena cross race, um, I was absolutely terrified because of the den catapult. And there's this huge double that was like peak to peak. And it was like the scariest jump I've ever hit in my entire career. <laughs> and, um, I had to make the main that night, uh, Because then we'd have to wait a certain amount of time to be able to get to the next arena cross, you know, because the series was ending and I had to make the main. And if I didn't make the main, we would have to wait like another six months to get my supercross points. And that night I did the catapult and it was kind of like it was almost felt like if I was really going to be a supercross racer, I had to do it that night. And I think why that's the next one on my list is because if I wouldn't have made that main that night, I think my whole entire life could be different right now. So um, making the main in arena cross and getting a top 10, um, that has to be number four on the list.
1: Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. So was that two, three, and four together with the two injuries in that, or was that two? No, or
0: that was just, that was just, was just one and four. Entry. Okay. Yeah, that I, was
1: just one. I was making sure I had the numbering right in my head. Okay, so yeah. the first thing, the first thing I think of when it comes to that, you mentioned you you hurt yourself, your finger, the femur, and then you come back and it happens again immediately. I think yeah. in my neck of the woods, I'm, sprint car racing and stuff, injuries are a little more common. Like it was just a thing yeah. to get your bell rung, for example. But in our neck of the woods, a major injury where you're out for extended periods of time isn't. Altogether common anymore. So, can you, just as a start, explain just how physical this this sport and this discipline is, where injuries like that occur so frequently?
0: It, it it's it's hard because you know when you're in a sprint car, you're wrapped in a metal cage. On a dirt bike, it's two hundred and I think it's like two hundred and forty pounds of steel, and you're flying. You know, seventy five feet um, in length, and you're in 35, 40 feet in the air and if you make one single mistake there's no cage there's no nothing and when you hit the ground the dirt is hard it's like really really hard i've broken probably 15 to 17 bones um i've broken uh, all five of my toes at one time a lot of them were just like little cracks or whatever but i've broken my femur three times and i've broken them clean off in the middle twice and my hip once and it's just that's like it's a lot of pain. It's more pain than you think you can ever um, sustain in your whole entire life. But uh, I think it's definitely made me mentally tough. And I believe, you know, once I'm done with supercross racing, once I'm done with racing in general, I think from knowing that pain, I think I'll be mentally tough enough to do whatever I need to do. Um, and I truly believe that. And so I wouldn't take back any of the injuries that I've had, but once you step over that motorcycle, um, You got to be ready for war and you got to know that that stuff can happen and you got to kind of roll with the punches put it in the back of your mind but it's kind of like when you when you step over that motorcycle and you're going that fast and you're doing that big of jumps it's uh those injuries are sitting on the table
1: right so i think for most people if i were to have like back-to-back injuries like that there would almost be like a slow build to get back to it. What made you guys kind of decide from there, like, hey, it's time for us to make the move? What was the decision process behind that leap?
0: Um, The decision process was because I was older. You know, like I didn't do it, like I said, like I wasn't a factory kid from when I was young, and I didn't really – I wasn't very good when I was young. Um, I kind of – was you know i was 21 years old at the point and a lot of the kids in supercross were starting out at like 16 17 years old and you know i was 21 and i was in the intermediate class and that was really old for you know the kids that were there and the kids doing it and the kids getting the factory rides it definitely wasn't the cookie cutter recipe so it was kind of like well you know We both, my dad and I both kind of knew, like, you know, if I was going to do it, I needed to start doing it now. So, you know, in the years prior, I could still have, you know, that um, body that I needed to have to race Supercross, you know, because the time in Supercross, the age for Supercross is very young. And you have to be, you know, you have to have a lot of testosterone. You got to be really strong. You got to be really athletic. And uh, and you need to be in your prime to, to do this sport because it's not forgiving. So that was kind of the main reason behind the decision to go pro.
1: How stout was the arena cross field when you got there? You talked about how challenging the track was. You said you were able to make the main and top 10. How, in terms of like from the intermediates going to try to make it through in that race, how hard was that field to get through?
0: Um, It was, it was really tough. 25. It was like really tough back in the day. It was like, Um, Jeff Gibson, Justin Muth, you know, a lot of those guys have been racing that and making a career out of that. So that was like their specialty. But the reason why I kind of, um, you know, picked that race as number four is because when something clicked something clicked in arena cross. I was so much better at arena cross than I was at outdoor. It was like silly, you know, and I don't know if that came from my BMX background from when I was a kid or what it was, but whatever it was, is being technical and having to ride smooth is my forte. And that's why that's number four on the list is because I had to make it happen. And all of a sudden I just had this speed that I'd never had before and the technique. And it was kind of like, wow, you know, this is this is what I was meant to do on a dirt bike right here.
1: <laughs> Are there any celebrations or anything when you made it through and you knew you'd prove to yourself you could do it?
0: Absolutely. You know I have both arms up in the air and I you know, I see my dad after the racing, we were just screaming and yelling and it was like it was almost like, you know, making it to the main, it was like whatever. Um at that point it was like, We did it. You know, I'm getting points. So it it was unbelievable. That night was I was ecstatic.
1: Sounds amazing. All right, we got two down, three to go. What you got for me for number three, Adam?
0: Um, Number three has to be uh, the time I got 16th, and my brother was my mechanic in St. Louis. I don't know what it was about that as a professional. Um, it was just like something flowed that night. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know how I did it, but um, – I was just clicking off laps and it just seemed effortless. And that was at, you know, the beginning points, uh, not beginning, but like definitely towards the beginning of my career where I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to make the main. And then all of a sudden, you know, like I get on the bike and that night and my brother had gotten hurt, I think prior, and he was helping me out. And, you know, that duo team, it was just like, Holy crap this was one of the sickest nights in my career. Cause it was like effortless to go that fast, you know? And, uh, I mean, I know, I know a 16 doesn't sound like it's lighting up the world, but you know, for me at that point, it was one of those things where, again, it, it was a game changer in my career. And it made me believe that, you know, this is what I want to do. And this is what I can do, you know? So that, that was one of the races that stuck in my memory forever. You know about what year that was? I'm trying to remember. Uh I think it was like twenty I wanna say twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen. Okay. I think it was twenty sixteen.
1: Okay. What what's your connection with your brother? Said he was working with you as a mechanic air. What's your connection like with your brother in the sport?
0: Um, I mean my brother's pretty much like my ride or die. You know, we've been I was lucky enough to have a brother that liked everything that I liked you know, and like we were inseparable ever since we were like little, little kids. And, um, he also rode dirt bikes and, and, uh, and we grew up together and all we did was race together. And Tyler was an exceptional rider and he, uh, he won a lot of, he won a lot of amateur titles and, and had a pro career and did really well. And I don't know, it's just something about the comfort of having your bro around and being like, you know, he, you know, he's got your back and I know I got his back and, um, just living life together and and enjoying that, you know, you see Ken Rockson with his family, with Courtney and his new kid. And, and you just see how much it's a, it's a family effort and a family thing. And you're kind of doing it together and and they're sharing that moment. And that's kind of like what I get to do with my brother riding dirt bikes is we always get to share that, that moment together. And it's like, I'll ride through life that, you know, that just me and him, um, me and him have. So it's pretty cool.
1: What was it like to share that moment that night after having such a strong run?
0: Uh, kind of, kind of like it was pretty similar to that, um, same moment with pops after the race. It's like, you know, I got 16th and I'm probably the most excited guy on the track. Just, uh, just celebrating with little bro and (laughs) just eyes wide open you know, after the race, giving him a hug. And, and it's just, it's, it's cool that I got to celebrate that ride with him and just be like, dang, we rode good that night.
1: (laughs) Of course. Of course. When you have runs like that, does that immediately for you, does that raise the bar? Like do you start expecting more of yourself when you prove to yourself that you're able to do things like that?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's not even a, it's not even a question. Um, you know, as soon as, and that's part of, you know, that's part of having a racing career is like, is seeing those levels and then surpassing them, you know? And it's just like, that was one of those nights where it was like, okay, we can not only make the main, but we can set the bar even higher, you know, and get those positions and start gaining and gaining and gaining uh, confidence and just work farther ahead. You know, you, know, you it, as a racer, you see, you only see certain goals, you know what I mean? And then to get to that goal, it's, it seems like you can see farther into the future. You know what I mean? So that was definitely one of those days where I kind of like grabbed it. And then I set that one behind me and then I could look forward. So it was definitely a cool feeling and a big confidence booster.
1: Sounds like it. Well, why don't we look forward to the next race, Adam? What do you got for me next?
0: Um, I would say number two Mm -hmm. is probably last night in that heat race. You know, that was, uh, that, yeah, that was one of the best rides I've ever had. That was, um, one of the most aggressive rides I've ever had. Uh, one of the best starts I've ever had ever in my entire life. And, um, being able to ride right with Plessinger and, um, and Brayton and Chisholm and, uh, and El Hombre, that was, Mm -hmm. uh, that was really cool. You know, like to beat the 2018 champion, um, out of a main event spot is pretty sick. And yeah, he made a mistake, but at the same time I didn't. So, um, that was pretty cool to do and, and just be there and, and step up to those guys. Because when I first started racing supercross, you know, I was making the top 40 and then not making the top 40. And those guys were you know, in the top five every week, you know, Justin Brayton has won a Supercross race and uh, and I straight up beat him. And, you know, Aaron Plessinger's won a lights championship, like within, I think it was like three years ago or something like that, you know, on a star racing um, Yamaha and to be battling with those guys and make a pat, a repass on him is like, okay, now it's on baby. You want to go race? Let's go race. And just to have that confidence. And, and like I just said, You know grab that one goal and now we can look even farther ahead and kind of focus on the next thing to work on so i think last night was definitely one of those races that one of those races that's on the list
1: you've already kind of touched on it in the way you've described these guys you were racing against but just just how much respect is there between the riders in the field because it seems like you guys all hold each other to a pretty high reference
0: um there is there's levels to it and and that's what the problem is is I don't have the respect that some of those guys give the other guys yet um but I definitely think that last night I gained some and that's and that's really really important you know because once you gain that respect instead of them just making an aggressive pass on you um and just kind of blocking you out and then going they're like, oh, man, that's seven He's been going fast lately. And it kind of – you look at that number on the back of the jersey and you say, hmm, and you're just thinking for that one second. And that's what I want those guys to do is I want those guys to see me as a threat and not just a guy that they can get right by. So I think last night was a game changer in, in getting a level of respect.
1: Um, in terms of the, the track last night, Every time it seems like I I live in Indiana, so I only really get to cover Indy because most of you guys' races are down south, out west, et cetera, et
0: cetera. Absolutely.
1: Every time I feel like you guys come here, I hear about how Indy's like saw the dirt soft and the track kind of I don't want to say falls apart's not the right word, but it kind of breaks up and it seems like it's very Mm -hmm. challenging. A lot of people down last night, for example. Just for you, when you're in that position. How hard is it? First of all, you're trying to stay composed. You're running with these guys and then you're also on a track that's very challenging. What's that? How do yeah. you keep your composure and run strongly through all that?
0: Um, I think it's because uh, kind of what we talked about with that arena cross race, I'm really good at technical stuff. You know, when the track gets gnarly, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know what's inside me. That makes me better at technical stuff. But when the track gets gnarly and it's super sketchy, I seem to get better for for some weird reason. I don't know what it is, but whatever that reason is, I'm thankful for it. And, you know, I think that just goes back to confidence. You know, when you when you know you're good at something, you could not be good at it and you're good at it. You know what I mean? And it's it's just one of those things where I know that when the track gets gnarly, I get better. And. It's just having that and having that, um, you know, that mental uh, that mental outlook to be like, man, when the challenge arises, I get better. And and I think that's what happened a little bit last night is just knowing that other people hated the track and I like the track um, gave me a mental edge over some of those guys for sure.
1: So you mentioned last night is kind of a game changer for you. And we talked about every time you hit the bar, you raise it a little higher. What sort of things do you, do you aim for next, having had a run like that last night?
0: Um, having had a run like that last night, uh, I think one of the major keys was just getting that start and just trying to replicate that. Uh, uh, being in front makes a huge difference. You know, you can't with the – with the field so stacked and what we talked about earlier with everybody being so close um, and the track deteriorating and changing every lap, you've got to be out front on the start. And I think that's one of the major keys um, to my success. So my biggest thing that I took from last night is just making sure that I get out front and And if I can get out front, I know I can do it. So um, that's kind of my goal for these next rounds coming up is to get a good start and get out front and let the race come to me.
1: Sounds good. Why don't we get out front with this list? We got one left, Adam. What do you say for me last?
0: The last one is stained in my memory forever, and I think it was – I think it was the biggest, I know it was the biggest turning point in my career. And it was in Houston. Um, I think it was in Houston, 2016 or 20. It was 2016. It was a year before the, that race in St. Louis. It was my first ever main event. Um, mm-hmm. it was like, it was like a dream. It was like a dream and how it happened, you know, like, and I kinda, I kinda got it given to me, but why why the Houston heat race was so special is because you know as a kid my dad took me to the uh the Coliseum in Los Angeles and we'd go watch Supercross and you know I told my dad when after I seen Jeremy McGrath win, that I wanted to be a professional Supercross racer and you know we kind of like I said we weren't the best riders we just kind of messed around, we'd go trail riding a lot and then we'd go racing on the weekends sometimes and we'd do stuff like that. But, you know, we weren't serious from the get-go. And then, you know, so when I was a kid, you know, whether I knew it or not, the biggest the biggest goal and just for me, my brother and my dad was just making a main event. You know, and it, it was being in the the main show The main event with all the guys that we had looked up to our whole entire lives and just coming from no racing background, coming from trail riding and being, you know, on that same floor that Jeremy McGrath was on. And that night when, you know, I made that main event in Houston, it kind of just like opened my eyes like, hey, you have a career you know, being in the main event, man, you have a career, you can do this. There's, there's a way to do it, you know, cause I had started out, I was kind of making night shows, which is top 40 and then not making a night show and then making a night show and then not making a night show. And then after that had happened, um, with that top, you know, making the main and being top 20, it was kind of like, all right, baby. Now it's the real deal. You're a full blown supercross racer. You're not making the main, not making the main you're in the main event. And it was kind of like, right after that night, I hadn't missed a night show for, you know, I hadn't missed a night show for my entire career, not even close. And it was kind of just one of those turning points where it was like, Hey, now, now you're that guy that can make the main event. That's in the race, you know, because obviously, you know, being top 40, you're in the race but you're not in the show. You know, you're not the main, you're not the main draw of what the night is. And to be in the premier class, not the lights class and make that main event. And then now being a contender for the main event, it changed everything about what I do and who I am. And I think that was one of the races that kind of altered the future of who I am and what I do, you know, forever.
1: Man, that's a big one so
0: right and and on top of that it was my first race ever and one of my favorite riders was james stewart and whatever it, it it was by default he crashed, in my first ever main event, I beat James Stewart, which is one of, like, the biggest stars in history. So I can kind of say in my first race ever, I beat James Stewart. So that's that was kind of the little icing on the cake, I guess. <laughs> a
1: little chef's kiss. No, yeah, that's perfect. Exactly. That's perfect, man. You always want the stories like that because those are things you can tell kids, grandkids, whatever, someday, right? Like, yeah, hey, I beat yeah, my hero in a main.
0: Yeah, on my first try, too. That's right. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. Uh, that's so, cool. what is obviously the field just making the field of 40 is, is tremendous and special. But, what is I don't want to say the gap, but what, what is the difficulty or the difference between top 40 and top 20 in a supercross 450 yeah. field?
0: It, and, and I think that's why the importance of it is it's like if you're top 40, you're like you're you're a racer but you're kind of just known as like a local dude that made the show you know what i mean you're kind of like you're doing it but you're not really doing it you know you made the top 40 and it's great it's a really good achievement you know you're one of the top 40 best supercross worlds supercross racers in the world but i feel like when you're top 20 you're like you are part of supercross now you know you're because that 40 to 20 those guys interchange a lot you know that you know like how you were talking about there's a set group of race car guys that race every week and that's kind of like the set group well in supercross you know those 30 to 40 they kind of change out every week you're not you know some guys will make it some guys won't and then the next week a guy will make it and a guy won't when you're in that top 20 you're like a, you're like a, a lister supercross racer. Now you're, you're part of the show. You start to get um, pictures on the wall. You start to be like a fan favorite. You start to have like little things in the pits that say seven Deuce Deuce or whatever that might be. You start being in the opening ceremonies type of deal and you start becoming, you know, a face of supercross that's selling tickets and, and part of the show and the person that people want to see. And, I think that when I started making the main, I started to become that, and and I think that's really you know the biggest difference between forty and twenty is you know you're you're the kind of you're not a weekend warrior because you're a badass racer, but you're not re. I don't want to say you're not part of Supercross, but you're kind of you're there, but you're not completely there to me in my eyes you know that's how i looked at being 40 to 30 is like you're doing it but you're not really doing it when i'm in the top 20 in my eyes that's when i felt like okay now we're now we're part of supercross now we're freaking racing you know what i mean it's like yeah. oh my gosh this is it
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's your mama i made it moment
0: <laughs> exactly mama I made it that's awesome <laughs>
1: So when you're you're used to running the heats and maybe going to the LCQ and all that, but what's it like that first time when it's main time and you're lining up in the gates and you've got all the all the big shots next to you in the gates?
0: Um, uh, it's definitely kind of like a surreal feeling, and it's kind of like I belong here type of thing. You know, it's like you're looking down the line and it's Ken Rockson, it's Eli Tomac, and you know, it's it's Jason Anderson, it's Cooper Webb, it's all those guys. It's it's those household names um, from supercross that you're looking down the line and you're like, dang, I'm on the same gate in the same race with these guys. And I earned it just as much as they did. And, uh, to be on that gate with those guys and know that you're in the same class and you're doing the same things and you earned it just as much as them. It's a, it's a great feeling, but, um, I'll tell you, uh, the one thing about being on that main event is, uh, you gotta be ready for war. Um, you know, there's always a chance of getting hurt, but there's always a chance of your best ride. So when you go up to that gate, you got to be a savage. You got to be a, a full on, you know, ancient warrior if you want to go there, but you got to be ready to fight. And uh, and that's probably one of the gnarliest things about lining up for the main event is that um, it's pretty much fight till death without dying. Because by the end of the main event, if if you did it right, you feel like you're going to keel over and just fall over right there because your heart rate's so high and you're pushing so hard. So um, I think that's one of the biggest things I can take from being being on that line is just getting mentally ready to suffer as much as humanly possible.
1: <laughs> was there any celebration after you knew you'd made the field or was it something where you have – because obviously you have to be composed for the main. Did you wait until after it was over to kind of soak it all in or –
0: no, I definitely um, with that race. I definitely had some emotions after the after the race because it, that was like that that race last night was like a game changer for me because I had gotten eighth. I didn't even get ninth, and then you know the field is so much more stacked than it was back um, <clears throat> back in 2018 and 2016. Like it's crazy how stacked the field is. Um, you know, like I'm pretty sure. I'm one of the only ones I think me, my Brandon and my teammate and Kyle Chisholm um, are the only three guys that haven't won some sort of championship in that class or haven't won a race, you know, and and to have um, to be in that heat race with those guys and and hold my own and be there battling with them. It was kind of like wow, I've worked my butt off for this. And after I was done with that race getting eight, I I took a little moment to celebrate a little bit and just kind of, you know, get it off my chest. But you know, you're right in a way. You you don't wanna you don't you definitely don't wanna just completely release all that emotion because you know, the heat race is one race, but the main event's the main show. So you gotta definitely be ready um, for what's to come and, and keep that energy and keep that, you know, aggressiveness for that next race.
1: For sure. I guess the last thing I'll touch on this and then we'll get on to wrapping the show up. You mentioned how afterwards it kind of, it was, it was life-changing for you. It kind of flipped the switch. You weren't, you were making more night races. You're making top 40 more often. You were running consistently, uh, what what was the difference from making that one that, turned, that flipped that switch for you? Was it just a confidence thing? Like what was it about that night and the time after that's kind of changed for you?
0: Um, I think the difference was that it was like when I first started getting into Supercross, I kind of was like, oh, my gosh, these guys are so gnarly. How am I going to ever make a main? You know, and then when I made the main, it was like, Oh, uh, that was way easier than I thought it was going to be. You know, it just like came to me. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even like I had to do anything super hard. It wasn't like it was like super extra or super gnarly. It was just like that night, it just came to me and it was like super easy. And I think it just opened my eyes to, I can do this and it's not as hard as I built it up in my mind as this little kid that said, these guys are the best guys in the world. And I, you know, it's going to be a miracle if I make the main and, and yada, 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 whatever those little things in your subconscious are trying to tell you to, you know, who knows what it's trying to do, but those little, um, bad things in your mind that are talking to you. And then once I made that, I was so able to shut those things off and kind of be like, what, come on, baby, let's get another one of these. Let's get another one. Let's get another one. And it was just like, it was one of those things where it just changed my outlook instantly of what it was to make a main event
1: of course well you are you are a main eventer now you have made it multiple times so you're the man um i guess all i have left we've done your top five i like to wrap up with a quick hit section that i call the top 10 it'll go through a bunch of things hey. rapid fire and then we'll get you on out of here and then with an opportunity to engage so if you are ready, we can proceed. I'm ready. All right. First up, your first race, A, watching and B, competing.
0: Um, First race, uh, Anaheim Coliseum. Um, I was probably like nine years old. And I uh, watched Jeremy McGrath lose to, I think it was Sebastian Tortelli. And I was absolutely devastated. And I cried all the way home because I was the biggest McGrath fan in world history. Um first race uh had to be on my had to be on a bicycle probably in my local hometown i can't really remember the race that well but um i always did pretty good on my bmx bike and that's kind of where it started my love for two wheels
1: 10-4 number two your worst race something what race was a struggle for you
0: (laughs) um loretta lens just right off the bat i know it loretta (laughs) lens uh intermediate class i think i went 22 30 28 and it was like the worst weekend of my life and it made me rethink my whole entire my whole entire life um that was definitely an all-time low in my racing career
1: well thankfully you stuck it out you're still here number three <laughs> no, straight
0: up <laughs> number
1: three we'll flip the script your best race
0: um best race or best finish was uh monster energy cup uh last year I ended up getting a 14th place.
1: Nice. Number four, your favorite series?
0: Supercross. Period.
1: Yeah. Already touched on it, but number five, your favorite driver or rider? In your case, probably growing up.
0: Um, Jeremy McGrath was definitely one of my favorites, probably the favorite. But I always grew up uh, watching James Stewart, and I just loved everything he did. His like the swag, the the style, the flash. I loved absolutely everything about it.
1: My guy. Number seven, if you had one, your least favorite driver or rider growing up.
0: Ooh. Um, sadly, for no apparent reason, it was probably Sebastian Tortelli because he was like one of the only guys that ever beat Jeremy McGrath and it was in a mud race. Um, I would say that's probably the guy. <laughs> it's always and the for guy. no reason. It was for no reason other than he beat Jeremy mcgrath He didn't even do nothing to him. Whatever it might be, he just beat my my favorite racer. So I was like, I hate you. You know, I was nine <laughs> years old. Whatever.
1: <laughs> uh, hey, I was raised a Dale Senior fan in the nineties. Don't ask childhood Aaron how he felt about Jeff Gordon.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> Number seven. What all racing series do you watch today?
0: um i've been watching a lot of f1 moto gp uh i watch supercross um and i watch football frequently i don't really have a team i'm kind of like a player's guy but i think that comes from um you know riding dirt bikes and having singular riders a lot but um yeah i love a lot of sports i uh, i don't get to watch them as much as i want but I think F1 is probably, I've been watching that a lot recently. And I think it's one of the most interesting things just to see how much technology is in those cars and how much the car makes a difference.
1: Yeah. F1's crazy. Number eight, it. what is your dream job or moment?
0: Oh, uh, well I'm doing, it's funny cause both of the things I do are my dream job. Um, I, I would love for, uh, once my racing career is over for my music career to take off, but I'm definitely doing not only one thing I love, but two.
1: my guy, number nine, one person or group you would recommend to follow or watch in the industry. Can't be me by the way (laughs) that you picked me, but
0: (laughs) Um, one person to watch in the industry. Um, Hmm. Who would I pick? Uh, gosh, I don't even know. I mean, probably probably this kid, Alex Ray, because some of the stuff he posts is just absolutely ridiculous if you like that kind of stuff. But I would say probably Ken Roxon. just because a lot of the stuff he posts is really cool and – you know, he's been through so much and I think he has so much character and I like Ken Roxton a lot. So probably Kenny.
1: Not a bad show. And lastly, number 10, one opportunity to engage. Where can people follow you? Who do you want to thank? How do you get it done?
0: Um, I definitely want to thank Twisted T HEP Suzuki for backing me for the last three years and believing in me and uh, the whole team, you know, Dustin, Aaron, all the mechanics, Clark, my crew chief, Everybody's just been unbelievable on the team and supporting me and we've grown from you know a privateer team to now a full factory team in three and a half years so it's uh it's pretty crazy to have that achievement not only for me but um for Dustin and Aaron and everybody involved with the team so I think that's a I think that's a really big achievement in itself. And if you want to follow me and check me out, you can go to uh, the722 on Instagram, um, anticknap722 on Twitter. And then also, sorry about that, guys. Uh, My crew chief is actually calling me right now. But um, what else? You can go to 7deucedeuce, like the number 7, D-E-U-C-E, D-E-U-C-E, and follow me on Spotify and Apple Music. I have all my music and all that stuff on those platforms i also have them on pandora and like 128 different music platforms and uh, a lot of people love the music so make sure you guys go check that out
1: well there you have it folks quite a guy to follow in the supercross scene adam thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your top five
0: dude i appreciate it aaron thank you so much for having me bro
1: there you have it folks adam into Knap's top five and what about that one huh totally different from anything else i've had so far it was cool to get somebody from the supercross world while they were in town here in indianapolis i uh, got to cover all three of their rounds in indy and it was a ton of fun really snowy kind of treacherous conditions road wise but great fun once we got to lucas oil stadium and i appreciate them giving me the time Thanks to Adam, of course, for taking the time to discuss his top five with me. Thanks to Sean Brennan at Supercross for helping to arrange this interview. Thanks to my buddy Brad Perez for these sweet beats that I use in the intro and outro of every song. And thanks, of course, to our lovely patrons who keep me afloat. Today, I would like to spotlight two patrons I've had for a long time. My good buddy Billy Rowley, who actually gave me one of my first writing opportunities. And Thomas Cackler, who's been with me since September of 2019. If you want to join them in supporting Motorsports Beat, you can just head on over to patreon.com motorsportsbeat, toss us a few bucks, and I will use that to help me fuel my racing ventures. Lastly, as always, I'd like to thank all of you for listening and allowing Adam and Ticknap to talk about a few of the races that have meant the most to his career. Next week on the pod, we're going to be making another pivot, this time to sort of the sports car world, sort of the media world, Sort of the biscuit eating world. I uh, talked to Bozy Potatovich, and he'll be hopping on to talk about his top five next. But until then, this has been the Motorsports Beat Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Beard93, and I'll catch you guys again when we get back on the beat. See you.